Hey everybody, it's Chris here, welcoming you to another episode of the Casual Future Podcast. What's up? Welcome back, guys. Just so you are aware, thecasualflipper.com is live. Go check that out. And then you can find me on Instagram at thecasualflipper. That's also for YouTube. And then Twitter is casualflipper. Hope to see you. All right, let's get into it. Welcome back to an episode of the Casual Flipper Podcast. I'm super pleased for you to join me today because on this episode, we have Griffin, aka the East Coast Flipper. If you follow me on Instagram, you've likely seen him in my stories. Um, and what something I wanted to do was kind of have an eBay, an eBay segment. So obviously I'm big on Amazon and stuff like that. And my own Shopify store, building my brand. That's kind of what I discuss the most. And I do talk about eBay, but I'm not in it every day like other people are. So I figured it'd be cool to once or twice a month or however often Griffin wants to hop on the podcast to kind of come on and, and, and just talk about things he's noticed and trends he's seen, how his sales have been, just to kind of give a little bit of a fresh perspective on the whole eBay side of things. And if anyone listening wants to do something similar, I'll be happy to have you on. But anyway, Welcome to the podcast, Griffin. We're happy to have you on today and many other times. Maybe just for the audience, give a little intro who you are just so they can have some uh, perspective, you know, your origin story and, and what you bring to the table. Uh, so my name is Griffin, the East Coast Flipper. Uh, I've been selling on eBay part-time since 2018. Uh, it kind of originated from just trying to get some extra money to pay off student loans to buying my textbooks in university and stuff like that and trying to find a way where I can make income while also in school and also playing sports. I used to play football for university football at Mount Allison. So I was always trying to find ways to make extra money while also doing football and work. So with that, I started eBay. Uh, I had a lot of knowledge just from previous history selling on Kijiji and stuff like that with video games and uh, I started selling stuff that I had just, uh, games that I had in my backlog that I already beaten or played before and, uh, wanted to sell off. So I started with the stuff that I owned and then started branching out to thrifting and stuff like that. And now it's kind of like a huge part of my life and it's a huge secondary income that I'm getting now. And, uh, yeah, I sell DVDs, movies, Blu-rays, dabbling into some book series, uh, sports cards, a whole lot of stuff. Yeah. It's a whole, uh, what I started out is a little bit of trial and error, uh, learning, learning off of my mistakes. So sometimes I would sell something like, let's say a Harry Potter book. I'd think, Oh yeah, I sold it for 25 bucks, but I didn't know about how bad or not how bad, but how much eBay was taken off their fees and stuff like that. So I slowly started to watch YouTube and learn off other people and stuff like that to really see what uh, the market is for eBay. And as a Canadian seller, how can I improve my uh, eBay store and move on and list more stuff and also get by a lot of barriers like shipping. Hmm. So That's I a really key started, one. really started to use YouTube and, uh, local people just to learn how they sell on eBay. But yeah, that's really how I started was just I was a poor 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 student looking for money and <laughs> looking to make it quick. And well, eBay, I think that's kind of what eBay and well the reselling community in general, it's such like low cost of entry. It, it tends to draw people in like if you're balling out, reselling probably isn't the first thing that 
comes to mind for you. I know that's the same for me. So what are some of the, like, I'm just curious, like, um, what are some of, like, you are huge into, like, the media stuff, games, um, like, even, like, I, like, v, like, you, I seen you selling, like, VHS, like, where do yeah. you, where do you get the knowledge for the stuff? Like, how, like, is it just a matter of going in and looking up every item and just seeing trends? Uh, I had a, I'm a big video game collector, so I have like a complete Nintendo Wii U collection, stuff like that. So, so you're in that it for yourself too. Yeah, I, I definitely gotcha. am in it for myself. So uh, definitely video game collecting helped me because I was always at video game swaps and in Kitchener, Ontario, they had this uh, huge video game swap once a year. So I would get to see all these resellers from all across Ontario selling their video games. And I would just, mm. every, every year I'd go in and be like, holy crap, the Pokemon games was $45 last year. Now it's 90 bucks. So I'd start seeing these price trends and I'd see how accurate the pricing are uh, within the sellers all in the same room. And it kind of got, got me thinking, oh, like I go to all these yard sales all the time. I need to pick up all these stuff that I'm getting for dirt cheap. So I was just always looking at eBay sold listings when I first started out on how much this can go for. And when I started out, when I first really started going in, uh, my friend's video game store, uh, Retro Replay, uh, he started using uh, video game price charting, which is a kind of a source where you can see eBay sold listings and stuff like that, and they average out the sales prices. I really started to start use that for some of my pricing, just mm-hmm. because I was like, okay, this is quick and easy. I see the average. I know what I'm going to get. Or for him, he was using it as, okay, I see the game sold listing here. I'm going to do 50% of what that listing is. And that's how it really started for me. And then I started to branch out on eBay. And whenever I was looking up stuff, I would check the sold listings. And I'd also see what would still be up there because listings on eBay is always moving. And you could find a Nintendo 64 game that might be 25 bucks in the sold listings from a month ago. But if there's no listings up right now, I'm going to shoot for 50 bucks. So I started doing that, starting learning about that. And that's really where I just started learning about my pricing. Yeah. Uh, I feel like that's where like eBay, when I say eBay people, people that have like their main thing on eBay, like I do all like I do similar kind of things on Amazon. But when I go to in eBay, I feel like I'm just such a basic user. Like I, I wouldn't think as much to go look at the listings that are there and try to make a competitive thing because do you even look at where the listings are is that relative if if you're a canadian do you look at like oh or they're all in the states i'm more attractive to a canadian i do when i search for my stuff right now i do canada only hmm. just to see what the lowest prices is in canada and stuff like right. that but when it comes to rare things like uh i found this playstation one game called uh, team buddies and it's a $350, $400 game on eBay. And I checked up the check the current listings on eBay. There's zero within Canada. And then I checked North America and there's four listings all in the States. And one thing I do is I'm okay. I look at the average pricing, look at the conditions of all the ones in that listing. And then I'm like, geez, well, mine's pretty mint. I'm going to sell it for 400 bucks and be competitive, but a little bit price a little bit higher than the people in the States because 
I'm most likely going to sell that to American. And right. with selling on eBay Canada, you're selling Canadian dollars. So that conversion rate, they see that uh, the U.S. price on eBay.com and they're like, oh boy, this is really good price. I'm going to see it. So True. conversion rates play a big game in there. Yeah, yeah. And I'll price stuff, let's say, let's say this Nintendo 64 games, uh, let's say 50 bucks in the States. I'm going to sell it for 60 or $70 as my listing in Canadian pricing. Then they see that U.S. dollars and they're like, oh boy, sale. And right. really, on average. Uh, so yeah, you just got to really play around with the settings when you're you're searching for stuff. Like I'm at Value Village and I'll scan the back of the barcodes like you do with your books. And I'll play around with lowest price, Canada, and then I'll check the sold listing. I'll see yes, how much. That's one thing I always wonder, but it seems like, so for me, I know if I, when I pick up a book, I'm, it's going to take me, I don't know, but I guess there's two perspectives here. It's going to take me probably 15 seconds at the most to know if I'm going to buy this book or not. Yeah. And I move on. So it's very quick, but I have a lot more books to go through because there's, it's a ridiculous amount of books. Mm-hmm. When you're looking at games, it's not 15 seconds. It seems like you got to do a whole bunch of like whole, like I say, a whole bunch, I guess it's a huge deal, but it's probably a solid minute or two or three on every single one. And that definitely is when you first start out, but you're, you're you start, quicker than that. You're, when you start doing this for a good two, three years and just using your common knowledge after seeing, you know, Oh my gosh, I see Madden 09 up sitting there on the shelf. You know, you're going to, pass by that because you've seen the prices on ebay so mm. many times or just just common knowledge but so there's no basically, app to make that easier where you can just scan it and it tells you what it sold for recently and how often the thing is like you can use video game price chartings as that app to like check it right away just to see what that complete listing is but it's an average so that's the only thing that sucks that's the only one really that i know yeah, yeah, and a lot of these sites that I've been watch- watching and hearing results on, like there's a collector app that people use to see how much a certain game is and stuff like that. These are all averages, and they're not, they're never up to date. Right. And the best way to find the current up to date price is eBay. just on eBay. My only thought and, is like it, it's definitely the way to do it. And yeah. my thought is just how can we make this more efficient? That's always my first thought. Like how can I? Like, how can I personally just go into Valley Village, scan all the games, yep. and not have it take so long? And not that I'm saying it's, it's bad that it takes long, and like it does require work, I understand that fully, but if it yep. doesn't need to take a certain amount of time, how can we do it quicker? Uh, but I guess you can. You just got to do it. You, I think it's a barrier that everyone starts when they first start out, is they True. always have to, they, they take more time. Yeah, yeah. And like I said, with just going through the search process and looking up all these games, you start you start to hold all of this information in your head. And right. you're like, when you go into, let's say, Valley Village now, you see Mario Karts. You know that goes for 50 bucks. And True. You, it's, Fair. you see a lot of consistency when you go into Valley Village. Hmm. You're going to see sports games, and you're going to see Nintendo Wii games. Nintendo Wii games are always there. And you're going to see playstation 2 and xbox games and there's always a lot of common games you'll see uh like wii sports uh the spyros the crash bandicoots and stuff like that but then you'll also see a lot of fillet titles and so going through that stuff you gotta look maybe look at the publishers 
if it's Atlas, uh, let's say they they make RPG games and stuff like that. That's a, one game you gotta keep an uh, hmm. a game company gotta keep an eye out. Anything Nintendo, if you see Nintendo branding, let's say uh, Mario Party game and stuff like that, it's gonna catch your eye. And I always say when you're searching for games, you always want to find something that catches your eye. And when you see a bunch of sports games in the in a shelf, that's not really gonna catch your eye because you're like, oh man, Madden 09, you got six copies of Madden 09, Madden 06. Yeah, yeah. You want to yeah. find the stuff that you don't see as much. Mm. So that's the one thing I learned real quick. Uh I don't even look anymore because I just assume yeah. you've already been there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I do I'm hit like, it up a lot. I'm like, man, Griffin's already looked at all these games. There's no point for me to stop and look at these. But no, that's really that's really because I'm like, I'm I, honestly, I'm in awe of eBay sellers because it's it's a real craft. Like it really it, is. It's a like, hustle. Even thinking oh. about looking at the publisher, like I'm starting to learn a few of them in the book game simply because I see them so often. Like I know Nimbus locally, mm-hmm. they sell well and that they retain their price. But like, it's almost I'm like it's almost I'm almost cheating, and it's almost too easy for me because I have this app Scoutly. It just and I have trigger yep. set up. It has all the information there. I just scan the barcode, and if the screen turns green, I buy. And if it's red, I don't. Like it's that simple. Or it makes a noise in my ear, so I don't have to know anything. Like I could send a monkey out to do my 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 sourcing for me mm-hmm. because I don't need to know that stuff. So it kind of makes me like on one side i'm like it's more efficient and it's quicker and it's scalable in a sense because you could technically pay someone to do it for you which could get monkey but you probably could but on the other hand like ebay seems to such a craft like it's something that you really can like get good at it's like you're it's like a trade almost and this is the one thing i really this is why i love doing what i do and searching up and alert retaining all this information and it's so repetitive to me it's just go pick up something on the shelf and be like yeah i'm getting that because i know the prices and let's uh, a few weeks ago they had the rogers phone lines go down i remember now yeah. is at the is at the bears lake value village my phone was out and everyone around me all the pickers and resellers they couldn't search up on their phone what the item was worth. and so they're like i want to buy this but i don't know the price so i'm going to go put it back on the shelf that was probably one of the best days I've had thrifting in a very long time because all those people in the lineup did not know what they were buying because they couldn't search it up with a device. Hmm. And it was just amazing to see that all the hard work that I put in searching for these movies, Blu-rays, Goosebump books, all the stuff that I, I, I have knowledge about, I, it was a free-for-all for me. I was... I was a shark and I was getting all the bait. It was great. Do you see a lot of, like, I feel like when I go, I don't, I can't say I've seen too many other resellers. Like, I really can't. You, I've seen you, of course. Like, you're like the yeah. only one, like, you're like, you're like the guy, but you, is there a few that you see repetitively or is it like? So with, with the, the pandemic and everything that's going on, Value uh, Village only restocks in the morning. So they restock before they open. Yeah. And that first 10 minutes of opening is like supermarket sweep. At our local value village, I line up two hours early. Doesn't matter what day. I've noticed that. And I'm thinking these people are loco. But you think we're crazy. 
And the first four people in line, uh, one guy I know he's a watch guy, and I got to click along very well with him because my dad's a watchmaker, so I buy stuff off him and stuff like that too. But he goes after watches. His lady goes after teacups and stuff like that. Uh, That's an interesting guy, game too, by the way. Oh, the, yeah, the, I want to get on that. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. And then there's another guy that goes after records and. Uh, I'm actually learning a lot of him too, and he goes after furniture. And then, records at Valley um, Village. Is there any good ones ever? Man, uh, the local one that you we both live by. Yeah. If you go in the morning, you can find eighty to ninety records, just for dollar ninety nine each. And but like, is there anything like so so reselling value? Yes, but is there? I wish I'd also didn't know, but was there any, was there ever any like more modernish stuff? I always think it's just like stuff from like the twenties and thirties, like Sinatra yeah. and like generic. Like you're always going to find the Polish movie and the Christmas crap and all that stuff. Yeah, yeah. But I found, I found kiss. I found black Sabbath. I spent $300 really? on cassettes there. And I okay. have cassettes. I, have... I wanted, this is nothing I wanted to talk about cassettes, VHS, like how, yeah. like why, like why would you even think to look it up? Uh, First of all, where in 2021 can you play your cassettes? As far as I know, like nowhere. <laughs> People, let's say young students, they buy the old beater cars. So they're always driving a beater car. They don't have CDs in there. You can upgrade. But a lot of people I've been noticing have been buying cassettes of their favorite ACDC, heavy metal, hard rock, and stuff like that. Damn, it's playing their really? cars on the road trips and stuff like that. And it's coming back it's a big retro vibe right now for sets but also just everyone just wants to experience it too like tiktok and all these other social media platforms people are seeing oh, what's this a cassette i need to try this and people are very interested in it now uh but wow yeah cassettes are just really good and they're easy and cheap to ship. True. Uh, yep. And it's sometimes even cheaper just to buy the cassette than buying the vinyl sometimes. Like uh, ACDC uh, Back in Black might be $18, $19, where the vinyl can probably shoot up to $35 to $50. So people are looking at that at, okay, it's a cheaper item. You don't have mm. to pay for shipping for it uh, because probably slip, you can slip a cassette in letter mail for here so are you are you consistently steadily sourcing cassettes in your uh or is it more of like a yeah. one-off no I, I consistently look for it but right. you got to look for the right stuff right like you don't want to buy uh i don't know who uh but you gotta look at the comps so you gotta look it up there'll be still yeah, you gotta look at the comps but you gotta like you're not gonna buy uh classical music on cassettes you're buying the hard rocks Classic right. box, Led Zeppelin, gotcha. ACDCs, Nirvana, okay. all that stuff. So, oh, what, 80s rocks? 70s, yeah, yeah. 80s? It's kind of like, it's almost like um, thinking about eBay for what it is, or at least it used to be, is like the, like the hobbies and the collectors. Because if like you yeah. brought up Nirvana, if I'm big in Nirvana and I want all their stuff, having some hard to find cassettes might actually be kind of cool. Yeah. And I'm going to tell you some of the scores I have, I, I've found when I first moved here to Nova Scotia were cassettes and I have four or five fan club exclusive live tapes of like Led Zeppelin and ACDC. I'm searching up soul cops and these are like four or $500 cassettes. Holy, I just, I'm just like, 
I just it's, can't it's, fathom it. Like I can't. Like I actually can't wrap my head around people buying cassettes. I I understand it, but yeah. And they like you know if you pull out your cassette tape one day, you see the tape pulling out. It's screwed, right? You Done. can't play it again. You could try and rewind. Like yeah, you put the pencil on it, man. Back in the day. Yeah, but you're kind of screwed. But it's just it's just crazy how 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 cassettes are making a big sale comeback right now. And talk, and, talk a little bit about VHS too, because that's another crazy thing to me. Man, VHS. Uh, a little I more tricky? One, they're a little bit more trickier to sell, but you got to keep... It, also, you just got to watch YouTube and all uh, look up your sold listings. But I'll tell you guys this one. I sold four Theodore Tugboat VHS tapes uh, for $100. So did that go to the states or was that Canada? It went to the states. I'm surprised. The states by that. Pennsylvania. Uh, really? And the funny thing was, and this is just published, just knowing the publisher and stuff like that. It was by PBS. So PBS is located out of Buffalo, New York. Uh, so it was really shocking to me to see it go back to the states when Theodore Tugboat is a huge staple for Halifax, Nova Scotia. Yeah, and they and, just sold them to somewhere. I don't know where. Yeah, I sold them. I sent to the Pennsylvania, and yeah, he got sold to Hamilton, Ontario. So that's oh. when I listed. I, I held on to them for a couple of weeks, and when I seen that Theodore Tugboat was in the news pages, I was like, "Man, I'm gonna list these right now because yeah. there's some hype around that." And yeah, I was searching up sold comps, and the or the Theodore Tugboat VHSs are hard to come by, and. Some of them are going for $35, $40 and stuff like that. So I was really excited to sell them. I wanted to sell in a bundle to get rid of them all at once. Because you yeah. all know VHS tapes, you don't sell as much as DVDs or video games and stuff like that. But it was really, it was a really good learning experience for me to like learn that. Totally. You know, talk about VHS tapes sell. Now let's go try and find another VHS tape. What about valuable and search that up try and see what else I can find. So basically right now I'm trying to create like a little a list of VHS tapes to uh, look out for. You don't want to buy the Black Diamond VHS tapes and all that stupid Disney stuff that people say. There's probably two or three Disney tapes out there that hmm. are resellable. I forget one of them. But I, I learned a few weeks ago that one of them was like $60, $70 if you find. But yeah, it's really interesting. I learned that Studio Ghibli titles on VHS sell. I think I picked up Spirited Away a few weeks ago, and that's a $25 VHS tape. So, interesting to see. It's tougher for us as Canadian sellers to sell VHS tapes in Canada because of how expensive everything is. Like, a VHS, a VHS tape probably out here is probably going to cost us $18, $19. Just because of the weight alone and how bulky it is. I know, it's crazy. And I feel like I might have made a little mistake. So I don't know if you see my my Instagram story. Like I sold a little house in the prairie box set, yeah, to Canada. And I like, I really I don't necessarily like selling things unless I can put in like a poly bag of some kind or, a, yeah. or like a padded envelope. But I'm gonna have to box this bad boy up and ship it across the freaking country. <laughs> yeah, and I don't know what that's gonna cost me. Like I'm thinking like twenty twenty dollars. Like, like how much well, did it? It's probably the similar size to your four VHS put together, maybe a little bit bigger. So I'd probably, I'd say it'd probably be 20 bucks. Like 20 bucks. It's not the end of the world, I guess. My Harry Potter books, like the complete set of Harry Potter books, what 
they, they got some weight to them. I can skip those with my business discount, probably about twenty to twenty-two dollars. Canada Post. But yeah, with Canada Post. Yeah, now, yeah. one thing uh, I, I know you just started using is using chit chats. Yeah. So chit chats is a new. Uh, I guess I don't know how new they are, but they're new to me. <laughs> so what they are is they can ship. They're cross-border shippers. So what they do is you give them the item. You pay for the shipping and they'll pay for the shipping for USPS in the States. What they do is they take all the parcels that they get that day that's one of the States and they'll ship it off to their head office location in Niagara Falls. Then they'll drive it across the border and uh, they'll send it to USPS. So you're paying the USPS rate and then probably you're making some percentage off of it. So probably yeah. maybe four or five bucks per parcel. So that has changed the game for shipping in Canada and totally. also in the U S Yeah, because they also have a corporate account with Canada post. So they do the same thing and how they make money on the Canadian side is they'll take your item and then they'll send it to their drop spot location in let's say Burnaby, BC. And then the people in Burnaby, BC, We'll drop it off with a can of post label, which costs them barely nothing because it's in the same location, and they'll deliver it to the can of post, and the can of post deliver it to. So, have you been using chit chats for Canada as well? Yes, and you always got to keep an eye on it because sometimes it's touchy. Sometimes your small business discount is actually better than the chit chats uh, hmm. discount. But I've been seeing a huge success. Let's say in the, some of their locations in Ontario. In Vancouver, I've been getting, let's say, the complete set of Harry Potter books. That cost me 20 bucks to ship a can of post. I was getting that dropped down to $12. Oh, wow, really? Yeah. And Huge. so I was I was also like making money off shipping. I it might sound bad to some people, but people are willing to pay the price for shipping because it's calculated shipping. Yep. So you can make money shipping on the side. And I usually do that with some some stuff. If it's like if I make a couple bucks extra, I'm just gonna pocket it because I kind of have this little insurance fund for myself letter mail in Canada. Totally. I, I I like putting that money on the side, but changes the game. Totally. Uh, no, that's super useful information. So this is like chit chats for me is cheaper to ship to the states in Canada, which is mind blowing. I know. I, it's ridiculous. My my only way to bypass cheaper shipping for let's say my video games and stuff like that is registered mail with uh canada post hmm. that cost me 13 dollars sometimes yeah and anything else like let's say i'm sending off a game expedited it's going to cost me probably 15 to 16 dollars maybe even a little bit more depending on how remote you are and i ran in this situation before when i had to ship Nineveh, a playstation 4 game and I went to uh, Canada Post, like, how much like it sell? They're like $35. I'm like, what the hell? Like, why? This is it's going, it's in Canada. They're like, none of it's remote. So that's yeah. when I was like, all right, well, I'm going to send it registered mail because it's basically the same thing and you can go anywhere in Canada for that price. So gotcha. You always got to play around and yeah. shop around when you're shipping. And with chit chats, I don't have to shop around with the U.S. stuff, but with Canada stuff, I have to do that. So you've been doing this for a while. I've seen some things. What's 
stuck out to you in the last two months? Like what's some trends that you see appearing or three months, four months, whatever. Physical media sells. And yes, video games always skyrocketing. It's even skyrocketing even more because of COVID. Uh, but I'm going to touch base on movies right now, Blu-rays especially. Uh, they are going off the shelves. And Canadian seller, I love seeing this. And with us being in Canada, we have two different languages, French and English. And when you're selling a Blu-ray, uh, you always want to make sure that you're looking out for the French, uh, French audio. Because here in Canada, uh, especially in Quebec and New Brunswick, a lot of people are French speaking and they want the French audio. So that's like one of my number, number one uh, buyers in Canada for movies are. And mm. with that, people are always looking to uh, get that. I've sold Adventure of Tintin for like 70 bucks. And that's like a, and it was a fully French uh, TV show. Yeah, so, yeah. Yeah, I got a bunch of that, Tintin books. They uh, were booming. Oh, it's crazy. Uh, another thing is in Quebec, I especially, I know they have packaging rules for items that are being sold in stores. So I'm just going to use the Guardian, for example. Uh, there's no French uh, titles or anything on this. So in Quebec, if you don't have like a French title on it and there's no French packaging on it, uh, anything that's like there's no French at all. It's just all English. They're not going to sell in these stores. And that's what I learned from like one of my teammates when I was in school, like, man, I'm selling all these DVDs in uh, Quebec. I don't know what's going on. And he said, first, it's probably the French audio. But second, it's probably the French packaging because Canada is so unique. And they need that French packaging for plastic with these laws. So mm. a lot of these things you can't find in the stores is, uh, when they first came out. So that's when you started seeing also variants of different packaging for uh, movies and stuff like that. So you get Disney movies with just the English only packaging. And then in French, uh, in, in Quebec, you get the English and French packaging. So then it started to trend on that Disney collectors wanted to jump on this too. And they needed a different packaging because Disney collectors trying to compete with them, stuff like that. So that was another thing that caught my eye. They're, they're probably like, I love people from Quebec right now because they're my best. They're, they're my best buyers for movies. I love it. Like I sold ten movies to the Quebec this weekend. Uh, with also saying that, you can you can buy memberships, Netflix, Crave, and all that stuff. And all those companies have contracts with uh, Warner Brothers and all this stuff for their certain movies, but those contracts are going to end you probably won't ever see them again or you'll see them on a different subscription service and you'll have to buy their subscriptions. So with this, the physical media, you guarantee you have that disc. You don't have to worry about losing it to a different service and stuff mm. like that. So a lot of people are buying that, but also you got to keep an eye out for wow. out of print movies and stuff like that that Crazy. aren't being made anymore. And just the fact that you're not going to see uh 1960s movie on netflix so i got a couple pouts from the library amazing like they were incredible um so many i have so i have probably six totes in my garage right now full of blu-rays and dvds and some of them aren't even open like they're brand new and it's like really nice stuff now the funny thing is that i find interesting is 
I only scan them for Amazon. Mm-hmm. That's it. But the thing with Amazon is if there's a, a game or anything, if there's a, let's say a DVD or a Blu-ray or whatever, and it's new, it's 50, it's a $50 game new, but then used there's some bows on the list for $13, but then everybody else is maybe $34. So news 50 used normally 34, but there's one or two people at 12. When I look at, the, so when I look at the listing, my software takes a snapshot of that very second and it's going to compare it. Cause I need to move stuff quick because there's limits and stuff like that. Like I, I can't, I can sit on some stuff, but the way things are going, they want you to move inventory quick. They give you an IPI score, rates how quick you sell stuff. So if you send stuff in, it's not moving. You get a bad score, your limits, you get limits on your inventory, stuff like that. So I didn't take a snapshot of that moment. So I scan it. It says, ooh, it's selling for 12 bucks used, not profitable. Literally 10 minutes later, they both sell. And now they're listing $35. I've already put that aside. It's not profitable for me. So where that gets tricky is like even still though that and this is the other thing is like in that moment it might be going for 60 bucks on ebay used and that's what i've been noticing with a lot of youtubers right now and i know a couple i'm not gonna say their names but i just i've seen youtube people be like i'm gonna go buy all these dvds brand new sealed i'm gonna sell them on amazon i'm like why there's so many inconsistencies with movie selling movies on Amazon right now. Yeah. And just like, but you can, there is, I think there is opportunity in cross list and buying it all on eBay, selling on Amazon, vice versa. If there's a price yeah. discrepancy. And when I see that, Oh yeah, I'm going to sell this on Amazon. I'm going to, in the end, I'm going to make $10 profit after all the fees and stuff like that. I'm sending like, dude, why are you doing that? It's selling for $40 on eBay. Hmm. Take the, Take the time, go list it yourself on eBay and make, you're going to triple your money. Yeah. So, eBay's a, it's a, it's just a, it's, I think it's smart probably to utilize both if you can. Like eBay, Amazon's for me, it's a scalable, it's, it's scale. It's, yeah. it's like, it's selling like, like, like last month as an example, I have two stores really. So last, last 12 months, so in the last year, I've sold almost 6,000 items, which okay. is kind of like crazy. I wouldn't want to necessarily ship 6,000 items. But the reason that you have to sell that many items, and some people sell way more than that, is because in general, the profit, like the profit is, is a little bit less, mm-hmm. really. But is it? I mean, yes, it is. The FBA fees can be a little crazy. But also the shipping is based, like you're not paying for, like you are paying for shipping, but it's heavily discounted. I, I normally when I do a full shipment, it's like, say six boxes. It weighs probably like 300 pounds. Imagine shipping that. Yeah. With Amazon, it's literally like 80 bucks. Wow. Which is bonkers. Like silly, silly. And then when it sells, they do it all for you. So like there's the scalability and there's the, some benefits in it, but, um, like you say, the beauty with eBay is you pay a lot less fees, but you're doing a little more work too. What is the eBay yeah. fee? Is it like, like what is their percentage, roughly? Uh, man, they they got they got managed payments now, and they're starting yeah. me on that soon. So it's all it's all screwing me up. But 
I'm really on that depends too. I on like it. eBay fee. It, it depends on your category. Like, let's say you're selling a video game, a movie. There's certain fees to the categories. Uh, gotcha. I'll tell you guys that, like, I on average spend three fifty on eBay fees a, a month. Yeah. Uh, uh, let's look it up here. They have they have a chart where they cap. Yeah, I'm kind of looking at it here, but it's not it's not super super clear. Uh category. Okay, yeah, yeah you're right. So, ten percent maximum fee, seven fifty per item, or power accessories, motors, heavy I think equipment. Think on some things it's like three three to five the per percent is where you're looking around. Okay, it's, yeah, it seems like a lot of stuff's like two percent, three point five. Yeah. And then they also have limits to where, let's say you sell a game for nine hundred dollars. Yeah. The cap they have a cap on what of how much money they can take mm. off that. So it might be like let's say five percent. They can only take a hundred dollars off that sale. If it's over that, they don't take anything else. So that's some of the things that I've noticed when I sold a couple big ticket items and stuff like that. Uh, but with the managed payments now, you're eliminating PayPal. Yeah, and PayPal used to take. Uh, I think they used to take three percent off as well. Right, which is nice. Uh, so with with that, yeah, it's eliminated. Selling. So managed payments now. It's just you sell the item. eBay takes your fees automatically out out of that item that they you just sold, and then you get the profits right away. So you're not have to pay in the end of month and all these. So like the one thing that's super annoying <clears throat> with me doing eBay now is. I've done over 30,000 sales between my businesses. So I have to collect tax. Mm -hmm. So, and like, I'm doing such pitiful sales right now on eBay. It's like, it's pretty small, but I have to go in and calculate the tax that they've collected because they don't remit the taxes. They don't. Yeah. So they send me the tax money and I got to put that aside. And I haven't, and maybe this is just on me. But when they send me the payout, like they, they show me their, their fee. But I haven't found a super easy way to find the taxes. Like how much of this is taxed? I'm, I can go back and look at individual sales and I can see it there. Yep. But I haven't found a way to just have a report that I can just easily look at. Do you have a store category yet on eBay? What is it? Do you have a store? Like do you have a subscription to, to owning a store on eBay or is you just still a... Uh like a, just a regular seller. Um, the fact that I don't know what that even is means I'm probably just a regular seller. So it, I think if you get a store listing, you can get sales reports. Okay. I need to do that. So I, I'm pretty sure that's what it is. I'll have to look into that. Cause I still have to register because I just officially registered this year. So I have to register my stuff. On eBay as well. Yeah. So I got to look into that too. Yeah. If you have questions about that, I went through all that. I know yeah, exactly sure. what's up with that, but so I need to, yeah, I think actually now that you mentioned that I was looking through my settings and it's set as like individual and then there's business. Yeah. Because right now I got like, I got the store subscription and I'm still technically under personal, but mm. I'm getting all the sales reports and stuff like that too. And all the mm. sale charts and stuff like that and all the yeah, growth yeah. that are popping up. So it's starting to, uh, starting to show a lot of information now that I can use to, uh, to my advantage. Like I'm looking at sales from like last year compared to for this month. And I'm like, wow, I'm already 
That's amazing. I'm surprised they don't have that for everyone. So that's something that I need to, I definitely need to do that. Yeah, I'm really curious to see what managed payments is going to be like, uh, but I'm really excited to eliminate PayPal. Yeah, I'm on it. I really like it. The only thing I'm worried about is, let's say there's a dispute and stuff like that. PayPal is going to, I mean, not PayPal, eBay is going to charge you like 20, 30 bucks if you want to dispute the, uh, fight the dispute. Oh, gotcha. So that's a little bit worrisome, yeah. but it's hopefully their customer service is better because I've had mm. a few issues with customer service lately where I'm like, hey, uh, this person left a negative review. Uh, then they're like, okay, you could, there's this feedback thing now when before I used to just call someone and be like, hey, this doesn't seem right. Let's talk about the situation. Let's see if I can get eBay to remove this. Now you have to submit a form. Click okay. He gave you negative feedback because uh, something was out of control. That's what happened to me. And I automatically get a reply saying, sorry, we can't change that feedback when I used to be able to talk to a human. And that's the big issue with COVID too. You're not able to talk to a human on the other side of the right, right now. Gotcha. It's all online stuff like that it's all automated so hoping in the future that once everything's uh all ready to go for management payments to be launched in canada that zero issues and get more support on that yeah i've been i've got on a little not too long ago it's nice i you can set your payments up to be i feel like it's a it's daily or weekly yeah you can do it daily or weekly i've seen that and i actually don't I, want I, it daily because it, I get why people would want daily get the money in your account, but yeah. it's just like for accountant. Once you start doing your taxes, it's like yeah, brutal because then you got to look at each payout, how much of each payout was taxed. So I um I don't want to do that. I don't know for me like I have a like I'm gonna send it my checking account and sometimes I do spend a lot more than usual. So sometimes I would want it daily if I make like a three hundred dollars yeah, yeah. in sales. But I wish there was a way where I could just hold that money until i'm like all right i'm ready to cash totally. out, kind of like with paypal but it, it's going to so, be very interesting to see so it's it's almost nine the reason that yep. that is important is not a day fiance is coming on and if i'm not done this by the time that starts it's game over for the casual flipper <laughs> it's not uh the neck guy is it what's that Buddy with no neck. No yeah, neck yeah, either. yeah. You know him. It's fun that he's like the famous one. But I appreciate you coming on the podcast today. We're no going to keep doing this. Thank you very much. Yeah, no problem. Good show.